And this is part five of bearing fruit, or bear fruit. And uh, continuing, as I said in the series, we have been warned ahead of time about the turmoil that has taken place in the earth and is to come. And because of that, we must not fear or be troubled. We must be unshakable and unmovable, grounded in the midst of all the uproar, as we can see in the earth. There's a lot that's going on. But as we prepare ourselves, God will grace us to overcome and, to, and glorify Him. So we have some work to do in, prepare, in preparing ourselves for what is happening. As the Bible says, the bride has made herself ready. As she made herself ready, the, 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 the Father graced her to prepare herself. Because in preparation, we could only do so much. But to take the steps of faith, we need grace to do that. So just a brief recap of what we talked about last week. The, several weeks ago, I, one of the premises from the scriptures, where it says Jesus is the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. So I talked a lot about the vine and the branches. But, and last week, I talked about the role of the vine dresser. And that was in Hebrews 12 and 2 Timothy 2. I talked about the function of the vine dresser. So as Jesus said, the Father is the vine dresser and He is the vine. So the vine dresser, as I said, prunes the branches strategically and with a purpose. The vine dresser, the Father never prunes the vines haphazardly. In a vineyard, the vine dresser has a specific time and season that the branches are pruned. So it's strategic. Analogous to our Father chastening us, His children, who are heirs with a purpose to achieve or allow a certain type of fruit to come forth. Even though we are talking about a vineyard, which is the analogy that uh, Jesus was speaking about, the vine and the branches. So the vineyard produces grapes. But the child of God doesn't just produce one type of fruit. It could be peace. It could be joy. It could be patience. There are different types of fruit that comes forth from the child of God. So he'd use the analogy of the vineyard, but to produce the type of fruit, there's a specific type of pruning that takes place, all depending on what type of fruit the Father wants to bring forth in the season of our lives. So the branch, the child of God, benefits because he gets to, to express and experience something that he couldn't on his own. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words are bright in you. Ask what you will and it will be done. He said because if you, without me, you can do nothing. So the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. And the branch only gets to experience the glory of the vine and share in its holiness because it's abiding. And the branch cannot bear fruit except it abides in the vine. So there is no way the branch can produce fruit without abiding. So the branch gets to not only experience the glory of the vine, but he also gets to share in the fruit of the vine. Right? So the vine gets to express itself, and the branch experiences the glory of the vine. That is how we get to be partakers of his holiness. Because we, get, we abide in Christ, we are, uh, we are able to produce godly fruit. We cannot uh, produce godly fruit without abiding. And as we produce godly fruit, it's a testament that we are abiding in the vine. And therefore, we are partakers of His holiness. So the life of Christ is expressed through those who are abiding in Him. 
We must not despise the, tra the, the training or correction by complaining and becoming discouraged. It, the Bible says in Philippians 2, It is God who is working in us for His pleasure and for our benefit. As He sees fit, but it's for our benefit. Scripture we use talk about parents chasing their children. Children don't like it, but it's for their benefit. No chasing is pleasant when you're going through it. It's painful and stressful. However, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So when our parents were dealing with us, and when we deal with our children, we didn't like when our parents were chasing us. And our kids don't like when we chase them. But we know it's for their benefit. As our parents do, it was for our benefit. But the behavior, the fruit that comes from, from their life, they see the fruit of it. But they only get to experience the fruit because of the chastening. If they don't complain and bellyache. Because you know when your kids complain and bellyache, they stay in the wilderness longer. We withhold the treats. We withhold the computer games. We withhold the cell phone. Whatever it is. The longer you complain and bellyache, unless you're a weak parent and you give in and you let them have their way, you're not really chastening them. You're just, you're just spoiling them. But you, if you have the the guts to outweigh them, eventually they're going to get the message and they're going to they're give up. And that is the thing as parents. Our father never gets tired of waiting us out. We can fight and complain and bellyache. He just waits us out. But we as parents, many times we give in to our kids and that's how they get spoiled. But our father doesn't do that. Oh, God doesn't love me. Why am I going through this? It's been going on for months and months and months. Why? He's out with you or we wait you until you decide to just do it his way. He's just going to wait. You can't outweigh God. He will outweigh you. So anyhow, so if you don't complain, you get out of the wilderness faster. So the reason why we chase our kids is that they know our ways. So when they go out, they represent the family name. So outside influences... The kids, when they act up, they're not representing them. They're representing us. So we are going to chasten our children as we see fit for their benefit. So what happens after we chasten them and they decide to submit? We see the peaceable fruit of righteousness. To those who have been trained by it. So we are being pruned, chastened, conditioned for our benefit. So that we... As we patiently go through the process. So you have to patiently go through, the, go through the process. So anyhow, today we will talk about the fruit of righteousness. That's expressed when we endure chastening or pruning. And after we go through the process. So I talked about going through the process last week. Okay, so let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We will start in Galatians chapter 5. And that will be at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, or actually faith, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There is so much to talk about in here. 
And um, let's see. We will. We, let's see. We will. We will go through this and see how this unfolds. So he's saying here that he's talking about the fruit of the spirit. So we talk about the vine dresser. We talk about the branch abiding in the vine. So this is what now we're supposed to see in the life of a Christian, of one who is abiding, because we talk about the only way you can abide is by faith. You can only abide in the vine by faith, and the if you keep abiding, if you don't complain and bellyache as you've been pruned, eventually you're going to see fruit. So these are some of the fruit of the Spirit, the things that you should see in the life of somebody who's abiding in Christ. It's not, it's not, not necessarily what people say. People could say, I love Jesus. They could say, I, I am in Christ. But the fruit of their, life, of their lives tells you if they're really abiding in Christ. All right? They said, the Bible says what? You shall know them by their fruit. It's not by what they say. You shall know them by the evidence of what you see revealed in their lives. Alright? So, verse, let's go. So, we say here, he says in verse, uh, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And that word is, oh my God, that word is agape. Agape. That's what that word is. And we touched on that back in, in, in this series. I'm not going to go through this. But that agape is a God kind of love. As I just gave the example about chasing your children. Some people will criticize you for chasing your children. But you've got to wake them out. You've got to let them suffer a little bit. You've got to get, let them go through some hard times. Because that's how it, it builds character. That's why our Father chastens us. He loves us. That's the love of God in action. God is not an emotional God. Yes, He has emotion. But He's not, an emotion. He's not ruled by His emotion. See, we, we can't be like... We can't, we can't run our house and chase our children like, like mere humans. Because we are not mere humans anymore. If you are in Christ. We have to do things God, God's way. So the love of God, sometimes it doesn't look like it's right. It doesn't look like we really love our kids. But the, the Bible said that the, the father loved the son. But the father allowed the son to be put on a cross. To be beaten, insulted, and, and put on a cross. You don't love your son. How could you allow your son to go through that? That's the love of God. Because the love was not only for his son. He loved the son because the son obeyed him. But the son was executing what the father required for us who are lost. That's the love of God in action. The agape love of God. So, so what are you talking about here? That is putting the needs of others before our own. So you can't just read over these words. You've got to look deep into what it means. Because the fruit of someone who in Christ, you will see that agape love. That love of putting the needs of others before themselves. And I said, as I said before, that is not easy to do. It takes a new mindset. That it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove something. What are you going to prove? What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? What is that? That is that we will show the love of God. That's just one aspect of it. That's something we got to prove. Why what? The fruit that comes forth from our lives. So you can't just read these words and just gloss over it. I mean, it's, you really got to get the, the heart and the mind of God in here. That's just love. What was the next word? Joy. My goodness. Joy means cheerfulness. 
You're walking around bubbly. Because you know something. You know you're loved. You know you're filled with the Spirit. You know that you're walking in the light. You know that God is with you. You know He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know that crazy neighbor who's giving you a hard time. God will take care of them. All I have to do is love them. All I have to do is show them mercy. You're walking around. No, you know something. You know that God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. Mm, that's what we know in here. But the fruit of it is when you really have to deal with the neighbor. When you really have to deal with a job or the kids driving you crazy. Then you see if you're really cheerful. I can testify this past week. I wasn't very cheerful. Because the stress of my job. And the stress of everything I had to do. Sometimes people say. What's wrong? You're not normally like this. And I had to check myself. I say, oh my God. I said my emotions are showing. On, I'm just showing my emotions. It's right, out, right in the open. So I had to check myself. And I had to start singing in my heart. And I had to raise up a song. Strengthen myself with the word of God. And then I started singing. I started being cheerful. You see, it, it's, 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 it's not just reading it. The fruit of God. People are used to seeing me cheerful. But for that couple of days, they won't see me cheerful. So they knew they saw something different. They won't, I wasn't really abiding. I was being moved by my emotions. And I didn't even realize it. You see, people, when people used to seeing a type of fruit, when you change, they kind of, oh, this is not Chris. This is not you. This is not how you normally are. Something's off. And then you've got to check yourself. Say, oh, Lord, forgive me for letting my emotions just take me and, and move me off of my focus. And then you start singing this, the song of the Lord. You wake up with a song in your heart. I surrender all to you. Do you really surrender all? I mean, it's easy to sing and say, but when, you ha when the rubber meets the road, you've got to really surrender. Like when you're chasing your kids, and they don't want to surrender. They want to rebel. You've got to wait them out. So if I want to be in the, in the dumps, and I don't want to shake myself, my father's going to wake me out. He's going to bring somebody and say, Hey, something's off with you today. Or he give you a song in your heart. So you've got to work with that. You've got to catch yourself. And stir yourself up in your most holy faith. So that that joy bubbles up. And that, they say what? The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. So when you don't have that joy, you're like weak. Amen. And I just got, I ain't go through the script, one scripture here. Glory to God. Oh my God. And then the next word he says what? Peace. Oh my Lord. That word is irene. Irene. I, I, I can give you the definition again. Quietness to set at one. Glory to God. That is not just any kind of peace. That is not any kind of peace. That is a peace that you have in God. That is a peace that you know because you know something. You know the Lord is with you. You know that He will guide you. You know. You know it. That's because that's how you have peace. When you know that He's going to take care of everything. Irene. It's to set at one. You in Him and He's in you. And He's going to guide you by His Spirit. And he's going to speak to you. And he'll bring people in your path and say, Hey, something's off with you. Mm -hmm. The peace of God, irene, that is, that is a powerful definition. But I'm not going to dwell on that. Go back to, to, the, to the section I did on, um, the teaching I did on the peace. Peace of God. Long-suffering. Oh boy, this is another one. Long-suffering. Long-suffering is defined as forbearance. 
patience or patient self-control. Putting up with people's quirks. When you're in the body of Christ, well, let me just start. When you're in a family or husband and wife, there's a lot of stuff you got to be long-suffering about. you got to put up with a lot. You don't just get up and walk away. When you do that, that's divorce. But in the body of Christ, if we are members one of another, you really can't just get up and walk away. If you get up and walk away, you're never part of the body. Wherever you go, you will always get up and walk away. But if you're in a family, if you're truly members one of another, you are going to be long-suffering. You're going to stay and stick it out. You're going to work through the challenges. You're going to walk through and come to a common understanding. We can work together. Because the arm can't tell the, the, can't tell the foot, Hey, we got issues. I am leaving. Because if the arm leaves, the whole body suffers. You got to what? They got to work it out. In the family, the kids just can't just get up and say, I'm leaving. I'm busting out of here. I'm 10 years old. I'm leaving. Yeah, how are you going to take care of yourself? So you got to stay and put up with the chastening of your parents. Husband and wife, you got to stay and put up with each other. You got to work things out. You got to be long suffering. You got to be have patient self control. Oh my God, I didn't get to self control yet. But you have to be patient to put up with each other. Oh my God, that's not easy in the body. But in preparing yourself for the times you are living in, you have to have long. You have to be long suffering. Because not only people in the church are going to rob you the wrong, wrong way, you, it's guaranteed people outside in the world are going to rob you the wrong way. So what do you do? You have to be long-suffering. Because God will give you the grace to be long-suffering. If you trust in Him, if you're abiding in the vine, He'll give you the grace to be long-suffering. And that fruit will be evident in your life. Oh my God, my brother, how could you put up with this person? I can't get along with him. I don't even want to work with that person. But for some reason, I don't know what it is about you. You just seem to be, you put up with these people's idiotic behavior. What is it about you? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. God has given me the grace to work with these people. And I tell you, God has done that for me. The grace, and you know, sometimes it's just, how you treat people, how you talk to people, you come up with a, a, a general understanding of how each other, you're supposed to treat each other. And your work relationship is even better. Even in the household, kids fighting against each other because there's jealousy, there's sibling rivalry. I'm the big sister, I'm the big brother. You got to do what I say. Mommy! And you know, you know, kids carry on. Why? And the parents got to be long-suffering. Oh, these kids going to drive me. No, you got to be long-suffering. Right? Because how you relate to each other, the kids see it. And you set the tone for the environment in your house. And I'm just talking on long-suffering. Goodness. Goodness is defined as beneficence. Is an action that is done for the benefit of others. That's goodness. An action that's done for the benefit of others. That's why, oh my God, Jesus was the perfect example. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's goodness. Laying down his life so that we can be reconciled to God. That's goodness. Putting the needs of others before your own. That is goodness. Doing something for the benefit of others. Kindness. Kindness. Just being kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. If you're abiding in Christ, kindness should just be flowing out of you. You don't cut people off in line standing in the supermarket. 
You don't cut people off on the, on the highway and give them the finger. You don't, no road rage. That not, you're, you're anger. There's no kindness. Take getting up and letting somebody who you see who might be pregnant or weaker, let them have the seat. That's an act of kindness. And that's an act of goodness because what you do is an action for to benefit somebody else. Things like that. So if you're, in the, if you're walking in Christ, you don't cuss people out. You don't cut people off. Faith or faithfulness. There are two things there. Faith in God. Walking in obedience to God. Somebody who is abiding in Christ. A fruit of the Spirit is faith. They're walking by faith. They're trusting God. Say, my God, how you have joy in all the stuff you're going on. As you say, we said earlier, there's always something going on. People are under attack. But how do you have joy in the midst of the attacks? Because I'm walking by faith. I'm walking in the light. I'm not stumbling around in darkness. Because the word of God said. What did the word say? The Lord say concerning my situation. He's Jehovah Jireh. He'll provide. He's my healer. He'll fight my battles. So you have joy in the midst of the drama. That's why I am at peace. That's why I have faith. Because I know what his word says concerning my situation. And if he is who he says he is. I know he doesn't lie. Amen. Gentleness or humility. Humility is another. I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about real humility. I'm not talking about people who come to you and say, Well, you know. Well, you know. And they try to downplay and make sure they're humble. And so as you walk away. That's so and so and so. No. That's false. That's fake. We are not like that. We don't say one thing one way and, and say something else. We are who we are. Whether we, you see us in public or we're private, we are the same. Amen. Self-control. And it's defined as the ability to manage your actions and feelings and emotions. That's what it said. But I added something too. Also your thoughts. Self-control is the ability to manage your actions, your feelings, your emotions, and also your thoughts. Because if you don't control your thoughts... There goes the action. You're going, to, you're, going to be, you're going to act what you're thinking. But the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you don't control your thoughts, that's why I was in the dumps. And people saw it and they said, what's going on? Because I wasn't controlling my thoughts. So if I had self-control, if I took the thoughts captive, that means I have self-control. I'm taking the thoughts captive and I am sifting it through the word of God. So when you do that, you are showing that you have self-control. Amen? Alright. So the evidence of godly fruit will be revealed when the flesh with its passions and desires are crucified. Because it says here, and those, verse 24, who are Christ's, or those who are in Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you are abiding in the vine, if you are in Christ, you have crucified the flesh and its desires. How does that happen? Because you, be, you get pruned. And when you get pruned, you're not fighting and belly aching and complaining. You yield. And as you yield, you learn and you understand how to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And it says, these are those who have the courage to obey God in the midst of confusion and pressure. Because you can, act, you can just act out and act up. You can go crazy in the house. 
crazy with the husband, crazy with the wife, crazy on the kids, crazy on the job. Just blow up on people. But, you can't give in to your passions and desires. Because that's how schisms happen. That's how you have confusion. That's how you have quarrels. And I'm coming to that. These people who are bearing this, the godly fruit of self-control and putting the flesh to death, they consistently strive to walk in obedience to the word of God and obey the spirit of God. They choose to walk in the light as he, Christ, is in the light. And the blood of Jesus, as you consistently walk, as you consistently abide in Christ, by faith, submitting to the word of God, submitting to the spirit of God, you are perpetually cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh my God, you're perpetually cleansed. Because it says, the word of God says, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. So as you walk in obedience, you are perpetually cleansed. You're, you're, there's a, there's a, a righteousness that happens when you're saved, but there's a righteousness, a righteous walk you have to walk in your salvation. So as you walk in obedience, as you abide in the vine by faith, as you submit to the word of God, as you, as you submit to chastening, you're perpetually cleansed. <laughs> Glory to God. Meditate on that if you don't understand it. So you have to choose to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. As Abraham, the word of God said, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why? Because Abraham walked by faith. He believed God. So when God says do A, he did A. When God says do B, he did B. He believed God. So he stepped out in faith to do what God told him to do. And God declared him righteous. That is the same thing with us. Walking by faith. When you step out in faith to do what God tells you to do, you are automatically declared righteous. Why? Because you're walking in the light. You're not walking in darkness. You're not stumbling in darkness. You're in his will. Glory to God. So verse 25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be subjected to the lust of our flesh and the desires that we have. We cannot be in subjection to it. We have to have it in subjection to us. Because not every thought, not every desire is a godly one. So we have to take every thought captive and have the flesh under subjection. That's why we filter through the word of God. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited. Don't be full of yourself. And that's easy for people to do. The ego is, you stroke the ego once or twice, not even once, you just stroke it half, and, the, and somebody's head gets blown up. Don't be full of yourself, provoking one another, envying one another. It is so easy to try and push people's buttons. It is so easy to envy others. That is such a, it is common with human beings to try and push people's buttons and to envy. That is like so common and so easy. Alright? But we are not like that. If you are doing these things, you're not bearing godly fruit. You're in your flesh and you're subjecting to his passions and desires. Something I wanted I want to show you guys real quick. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter two. So it says, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. To who? All. 
able to teach patient in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive to do his will it says here in verse 22 pursue righteousness faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Those who are abiding, the, you see the fruit of their lives are, will be those who will pursue what's right. They will pursue righteousness, they will pursue faith. Because before it says faith is one of the gifts, the, the fruit of the Spirit. They will pursue, people who are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, peace, those are ones who are bearing godly fruit. And it says, Pursue it with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Glory to God. That pure heart, that, that's deep. Because if you're walking in the light, you're walking in a pure heart. If you're walking in obedience to the word of God, you're walking in a pure heart. If you're walking by faith, you're walking in a pure heart. Because the, what you're doing, you're not doing your will. You're doing the will of the Father. Do you understand that? Right? So it says, pursue these things, these godly characteristics, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Because the Word of God says, when, you, when your heart's but when you call upon the Lord, He will answer. Call upon the Lord, and He will answer. But you've got to read what it says before. You have to abide, you have to obey Him. You can't live any old way and call on the Lord, and He's going to answer. Because if you're living any old way, you can't call on the Lord. That's not a pure heart calling on the Lord. So he said, pursue these things with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. And it says here, verse 23. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. I don't even know how to start talking about this right now. Because you see people arguing, fighting over Stupidness. It says avoid these things. That's why you go to a McDonald's or a Walmart or wherever. And people are throwing blows. Getting down to blows. Anywhere you go now. You get in line with people. You don't know people are on, on some kind of tri quick trigger switch. You look at them. You don't even have to say something, something. You just look at them sometimes in the wrong way. And they want to flip out on you. But it says it what? Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. You know, like when you have a family gathering around the holidays, sometimes Thanksgiving, Christmas, weddings. Sometimes you don't want to go. I don't, I don't really, do we have to go? Because I don't want to deal with that ignorant brother or sister or uncle or aunt of mine because they just rub me the wrong way. Because that person don't know how to shut up. And every word comes out of that person's mouth is not edifying. They just know how to push my buttons. And sometimes I have to bite my arm not to respond to their, to their ignorance. But it says what here? Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. When you bite your arm and you say, I'm not going to get in a tussle with that person, you are showing godly character. Because you know, it don't matter what you say. That person is ignorant. Hopefully you're not the one that is, that's ignorant. But the other person, it takes two to tango, as they say. So you avoid it. 
There is no wisdom in it because it's just going to cause strife. And once that, once that spark ignites, the whole atmosphere gets changed. So, your wisdom, godly character is avoiding the dispute. So, as soon as they start talking politics or start talking anything that's going to rub you the wrong way, what do you do? You just zip it. Because it takes another to cause the confrontation. And some people just talk and you just wish they would just shut up. Because they just, it's like, why do, uh, why? God, Lord, why do you put me in this family? Why? You know they always say there's a black sheep in the family? You know why there's a, they say the black sheep? Because the, a black sheep goes contrary to everybody else in the family. And they're the ones causing all the drama. Allegedly. Allegedly. So anyone who's, who claims to be a black sheep, I am not speaking to you. Alright? What you need to do, if you're truly an antagonist, you need to change the way you think. But anyhow, it says here, and what the, and verse 24, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. It's not saying you're not going to have an argument. But it says you must not be the one initiating and causing quarrels. Must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach. Oh my God. Not only are you, don't cause a quarrel. You must be gentle to all. And you, not only that, you must be able to teach that person. If they're willing to be taught. So you make sure when you open your mouth and you're speaking to someone, you know what you're talking about. Because that's what causes strife and quarrels. Because you're giving your opinion and sometimes you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't even know the context in which somebody's life is unfolding the way it is. And you want to give your advice and you now don't know the story. They say, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And they say, how could you talk to me like that? I'm the big sister. I'm the big brother. And there you go. Meek, meek, meek. Back and forth. And you know how it is in, in the pecking order in a family. The older siblings always want to tell the younger ones what to do. And the younger ones, they always have to fight to be recognized. So even though you're 50 years, 60 years old, you're still buckling to your siblings, to the elders, and you're, uh, they get to a point in life, it's like, nope, I'm not going to let them push me around anymore. I'm sorry, but this ain't happening. You revert to when you were 5 years old or 8 years old or 10 years old. When your older siblings used to push you around. Now you want to stand. I'm a woman now. I'm a man now. They can't tell me what to do anymore. That's what you were 5 years old. When they were telling you what to do. That's not fear. I'm thinking, Mom, Dad. You're right back when you would have that mentality. But you don't have to argue. You just stand your ground and make sure you, you know what you're talking about. And just tell them straight up. Listen, I'm a man now. I'm a woman. I have the wisdom of God. You may not like my decisions, but you have to live with it. I will live with the consequences of my decisions. And that's it. And once you stand the ground, they leave you alone. You've got to grow up sometime. You see, they know how to push your buttons. So you have to be very careful. I'm just, that's just an example. I'm not talking when you go in the line in, in, in Starbucks or someplace and you look at somebody funny and they're just like, well, what you looking at? And they say, well, I'm looking at you. And, oh, really? And there you go, back and forth. Avoid, avoid that stuff. Avoid it. Verse 25, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility. That's why I say, know what you're talking about. Because what it's talking about is talking about reconciling people reconciliation if you're able to teach 
and turn somebody around so that they get to the point of repentance. You're talking about reconciling them to God. Because it talks about what happens. Verse 26. And that some may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That's why people get in quarrels. That's why people have road rage. They are held captive by the enemy. And they give in to their lusts and their desires. So they, he, as they react, they are doing his will. Because they don't have self-control. They're giving in to the lust of the flesh. They are doing his will. And he said, see what that person did to you? They drove you off. They, they cut you off. You need to retaliate. So we are not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's why it's when you're in Christ. But when you're into your flesh, you are held captive by the enemy. Even though you are saved, when you give into your flesh, you open the door to be held captive by the enemy. To be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. Evidence that a person is bearing godly fruit is revealed by their character and behavior, especially under pressure. As we yield to what the vine dresser is doing, eventually the character of the vine and the vision the vine dresser has for the vineyard is realized. Since Jesus and the Father are one, we are also one with the Father. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So as we keep abiding in the vine, as we keep walking by faith, we express the character of our Father. And that's the fruit that bears, that comes forth from our lives. Bearing godly fruit is expressed through love. The same love Christ had for the Father, the brethren and fallen man is the same love we ought to express in abiding in Christ. This love will flow from all who abide in Christ. Because it comes by grace as we walk by faith. This love comes by grace as we walk by faith. We don't have the capacity of our own selves to love. Not the, not the way God loves. God gives us the grace to love as we walk by faith. As we trust Him. Our actions must be motivated by godly love. Not human love. Or emotions. Because once you go into the human love and emotion, you're operating in your flesh. The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, God's character is revealed through the lives, our lives as we abide by faith and trust God as we act. The fruit of righteousness is evidence that we are partakers of His holiness. In this, the Father is glorified through the Son. So bearing fruit can be painful, but it's to benefit us. And the prerequisite to bearing fruit is that we have to abide in the vine by faith. So we get grafted in by faith and we abide by faith. And the fruit we produce is produced by faith. Everything is by faith. Glory to God. So the character of the Father is revealed through us as we abide in the vine. And that is the whole purpose. And that's why the Bible, the series, Prepare Yourself. Because it talks in John 17. He said that the world will know that, you've, that, the, that the Father sent Jesus through the church. And they will see it by the fruit that comes forth. Not only individually from our lives, but also corporately in the body of Christ. 